has asked me to teach on the the Bible at this uh, time since he's out today. And I thought I would use this thing I have uh, written called Puma, misspell Puma just a little bit, but uh, basically we have uh, uh, Puma, and uh, it's basically plan, prepare, understand, meditate, and apply. Um, So, as you'll see from this, uh, I I certainly regard reading the Word as important, and I'll talk uh, about this a little bit in this paper, but... Uh, I want to emphasize the importance of taking smaller sections of God's Word and focusing on those sections. Um, that's been kind of the backbone of what I've done my whole life. Uh, it, it really came of necessity early on because when I would, whenever I've read in Scripture, it doesn't matter where, I just get bogged down. You know, I just... I. I, because I don't understand what I've read, so I've got to get in there and try to figure it out. You know, I've got to try to work with it. And uh, I, it's hard for me just to read over chapters and not really get them. So uh, I've had to balance reading with, with this. And this is more uh, what I would do on a daily basis. And as I talk about it, I think we should have chunks of time to do extent, extended reading. Uh, and for the reasons I'll, I'll share here in a little bit. <clears throat> so this is about how do, I, how do I sit down, tackle a little section of God's Word, and really try to get stuff out of it. So uh, very simple, straightforward. You've probably heard stuff like this your whole life if you've been a believer any amount of time. So nothing new, just uh, some things to remind you. Uh, so plan, start with why get into God's Word. Here's some real good reasons. The Word cleanses your life, right? Uh, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, he says there in Psalm 119, verse 11. Or uh, Jesus speaks in John 15 about how my word has cleansed you. You're cleansed because of my word. Or uh, John 17, 7 there, that uh, it is by the word that we are sanctified, that we're made holy. So, if you think of yourself as uh, a you know, sewage ditch, <laughs> let's get harsh, um, or at least a dirty floor or something like this, we, just, we have a lot left in our lives uh, that needs to be made more and more uh, like God and more like, more like Christ. The Word specifically does this. It cleanses us. Uh, it reconstructs us, as Paul says in uh, Acts uh, 20, uh, 32. Uh, the word grows you in salvation, Peter says. It gives you endurance, encouragement, and hope, uh, Paul says in Romans 15. Uh, many passages in the Psalms, uh, Psalm 119, speaks of the life that the word gives us. Let me just read to you there. Uh, verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Or uh, one of my favorite of the many verses, uh, 165 and 119, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them them stumble. Um, so the rich uh, wholeness, the peace there, shalom, the wholeness that comes to your life because you've exposed yourself to this precious word. Um, other, you're familiar with uh, 
some of these passages as well in Psalm 119. Uh, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. Uh, The wisdom of that word or the joy of that word in Psalm 19. It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart and enlightens uh, the eyes. Um, more desired than gold. So, uh, we can read on, but all of these things are so uh, precious to us and how the Word uh, remakes us and renovates us. And and we, sh- we must always be about this renovation project. You, you just think if you had this house that you were building to move into and you were responsible for getting it built, you are responsible for every part of its construction... Uh, you just do it and do it and do it and do it until it got done, you know. And, and that's what we're doing. We're reconstructing our whole lives. And so we, we just can never give up or never slow down in this work. But I think one of the great, great things is that uh, Christ uh, is revealed uh, to us in that word, you know. That is, I, I, I can see in His creation of course, His glory. But even to understand creation, I have to go through the Word to understand you know, the fact that God made all things, uh, even though it shines forth His glory. And to me, this is the great uh, treasure and wonder of His Word, is that I get to explore God Himself in the Word. Uh, we're just uh, reading a children's book, uh, Kay and I, uh, she was reading to me, show me how good it was. Um, and it, it starts off, uh, this, this whole book is about the names of God. And they, they start off talking about how many names you might have. You have a first name and a middle name and a last name and what those are. Uh, you may have a nickname, several names that people who love you give you. Uh, and then it goes on to say, do you know how many names God has? He has 700 names in the Bible. And then he goes on to they go on to talk about the other descriptions of God, and it goes into the thousands. You know, why does God have so many names? Because he is so amazing, you can't get your arms around how great he is because of all of his names. And that's the idea for us. I've I've thought how wonderful it would be to spend five years. You could spend fifty years, but spend five years slowly exploring the whole of the earth, every part of the creation that you could get to, and every part of culture that you could get to. I mean it would be fascinating to do this and to get to enjoy that. And here it is, the word is given to us uh in this rich, wonderful way. God himself presents himself to you. And you and I have got to ask ourselves, am I taking it or not? Do I want him or not? Do I I love him or not? uh, And the thing about it, there's so many people that don't have the word, okay? You and I do have the word. We have it in our language. We have all these helps. We have study Bibles. We We have all these things. See it in this way. In all of these ways, God has come to you and said, here I am. Here I am. Come and have me. Come and learn of me. Come and drink me in. Here I am. You know, and so that to me is the central thing. Yes, it, it, it changes our life, but that's why it changes our life because it brings us you know, into fellowship with God himself. Um, I, some of you have heard me share this, but years ago when Kay and I 
were, uh, gosh, I think we were still in seminary. We were going to a, a church near Auburn, Alabama. Yes, I do go that way sometimes. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we went, I think it was in Opelika, and we, we went to do a vacation Bible school for a week. And uh, this couple we stayed with, we were driving home one night, and we saw a trailer, and it said, smallest man in the world, shortest man in the world. And, you know, we're like, okay, let's go see the shortest man in the world. You could see him for 50 cents. 50 cents. That was was a long time ago. I'm sure it would be $5 now to see the shortest man in the world. So we we walk in, and it was kind of tragic because this... There was a shelf, you'd kind of you'd call it, and here was this man, and, and the reason he was so short is he had this disease where his legs were just like kind of folded up under him. So it was really just his body there, you know. But you can just imagine a, a, like five of us gathering around a little semicircle, just looking at the shortest man in the world, talking to him a little bit and visiting with him. And, you know, we left and paid our 50 cents. But it's always made me think, how much would you pay... If you had a trailer and it said, see God, you know, like, I mean, like five, but no, I'd pay way more, like thousands, thousands, maybe. I mean, how could you estimate how much you would pay if you really could see God? And of course, my point is he's right here for the taking. He reveals himself. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. And yeah, sometimes it's hard to understand. As I said, I've always, I always read and don't understand something. I'm trying to figure out what's meant here. Um, that's that's part of the the beauty. I mean, you dig for gold; it's hard. You you climb a mountain; it's hard. But it's it's the exhilaration of discovering Him and 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 knowing this glorious God. So that's the central why of it, though, right? To know Him, let and. Put yourself in the way of, of seeing him. Be like Zacchaeus who got in the tree and got in the way where Jesus was coming. You know, Get in the way where Jesus... This is where he comes. This is where he gives himself uh, to you. And there's no way that you will not see his glory. As, as you ask him to show his glory, as you ask him to reveal the beauty of God to you, you think God will say, nah, nah, just not very interested in that. I don't want my glory to be made known to you. I don't want to satisfy you with my beauty. I don't want to thrill you with how wonderful I am. <laughs> That's what he will do. Uh, and even through dry times and even when you don't feel like it and all of these things yes those there are all these struggles but the central thing is that he is there to be had so um i i mentioned here uh when to do it you know it's good to try to set some times uh and 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 actually what do you have to do to make that time what other things will you have to do is it time to go to bed or are you going to do it right before bed uh so make some plans as to when you'll do it and where you'll do it um, and then your routine, etc. there. So that's just some practical things. Now, in preparation, uh, I, I say first here, confess your sins. Um, you, you'll see that we do this in worship, right? We always have confession before we come to God's Word. And there's a reason for that, is that when you confess your sins and enjoy His forgiveness, 
you come to his word, you can come to his word with this fresh realization of the acceptance you have in Christ. That's a that's a great way to come to the word. Kind of the fresh kiss of his forgiveness on your face. Fresh sense of what this is all about. It's about Christ who died for me and he's restored me to himself and I'm accepted in Christ. Rehearse the gospel to yourself. Let that be the atmosphere in which you go to the word. That's the atmosphere of this acceptance and love that you have uh, in Christ. Uh, So that helps you to come to the word as the word of your father, right? It's the word of your savior. It's the word of your friend who died for you. That just makes it all the more precious that uh, your savior and friend gives you this word. And having this, uh, you have this greater sense of fellowship and you'll more likely come with this humble spirit realizing your need of his mercy and strength as well. As you confess your sins, it reminds you how much I need this word, how much I need his forgiveness, how much I need the strength of this word to change me. Uh, and then here's a little exercise that, uh, and one of the problems with this exercise at the top of two is that sometimes that becomes my whole quiet time. <laughs> Because I'm inveterate, I you know it's hard for me to read the eight verses, and then I start studying the eight verses, and there I don't know I forgot what I was going to originally go to, but um, but I do think this is a a, a great little uh, thing to help you go to the Word, um, and and I recommend it Psalm 19 just to take eight of those verses, you know they're arranged in those uh, eight verse sections, and by doing this you you just get into the the uh, attitude of the psalmist he he reminds you what this word is and he expresses his desires concerning that word he just expresses the beauty of that word so it's kind of like going to the manual again you know going to uh get the fresh aroma of what the word is and how it can uh function just for instance one of the most famous sections in psalm 119 To imagine reading this and then going to his word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I'm severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever uh, to the end. And I I use some of the statements in each of these sections as my prayer to come to the word. Like here, uh, they're the joy of my heart. Oh, Lord, make your word that to me. Make it the joy of my heart. Uh, Lord, you say, he says here that, I've sworn to keep your righteous rules. Lord, as I come to your word, let it not just be for knowledge, but let it be that I love you so much I I dedicate myself to do your will, to to obey your word. So it it helps me, and differently with each eight-verse section, to uh, orient myself to the word, to the desires uh, that God has put in his people's hearts uh, for the word, and, and it... And it shows its beauty to me. So that's just a a, a thing that's helped me a lot. Um, And of course, as I say, ask for the help and start with the same things the psalmist asked for. All right, now we're going to start into the 
main section of understand, meditate, and apply. Any questions or thoughts so far? <clears throat> All right. Okay. <laughs> so much for discussion. No. Um, <clears throat> what? Let me ask this question for discussion. Uh, what do you find... Not, not that you have this struggle. Other people that you've heard, other people have. Um, what, what's the? What do you think the main struggles are for your, for getting into the word? Just that you've heard people say. <laughs> Time. Time. Okay. Distraction. Uh huh. Yeah, we could list a whole bunch of things under distraction. Well, you sit down. And you think, oh my gosh, I need to do this, I need to do this. And when I get all this done, then I'll be calm and I can just sit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some people do have a pad that they keep by them, you know, and there's, I'll write it down, I'll get to it, I'll write it down, I'll get to it, so I won't forget any of these things that are so critically important, you know. Um, and it is interesting how those things come uh, then. You know, you weren't thinking about them, but then they, they come then because everything's so important then. What else? Intimidation. Intimidation? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. And that's why I would say, you know, everybody at least can have a study Bible. That's a starting place. And, and hopefully what we talk about coming up will help you, uh, you know, to not be as, as intimidating. Uh, but yeah, that's for sure. I, I never read, I never read Isaiah without thinking, what? You know, for instance, I just don't. I, it, I don't, I don't get it all. It's, it's culturally separated from us, you know, and the language is hard sometimes, and all the illusions, and, and then sometimes, it seems like he describes the same things eighty-five times, you know, and like. Sometimes you get worn out. You're just not used to it. You know, there are a lot of different things. When I was when I was uh, ten to fourteen years old, I probably came down front in our Methodist church three or four times. You know, to get saved. And so I'd go home and I'd start reading the Bible, Genesis one, and hardly ever got past the uh, genealogy in chapter five. Hardly, hardly ever. I mean, I, I wish somebody had told me to start in the New Testament, maybe, you know, read Luke Acts or something like that. But I got, and if I, if I ever did get past Genesis, you know, Exodus, first part, pretty exciting. And then you're getting into, oh, the tabernacle. Oh, the tabernacle. And I didn't understand enough to figure it out, you know, to, to know these things mean something about Christ. It just on and on and on about what kind of porpoise skin and everything's being used for a tent and it just wear you out as a 12 year old it just kill you uh, or as a 40 year old <laughs> so I mean these things I'm not making fun of this of, of the word I'm just saying this is how it hits us it's very hard you know very difficult very obtuse too it, it, to wade in and, and, and of course you can hear if you hear a good good teaching on Leviticus or those sections in Exodus, it can be some of the richest things you've ever heard. But it takes a lot of work. You know, it takes a lot of background to get into it. Darwin, I had an interview recently and I was 
talking to, to someone that I really respect. And he said to me, he said, here's the bottom line. Do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? Yeah. If you really believe it's the word of God, if you really believe that God is who he's in, really? Then would that change your life? Would that change the way you look at it? Yeah, that's true. And and yet I'm amazed that I can think I believe it and then not really, you know. Yeah. Like I'll say, I'll tip my hat and say, yeah, I believe it's the word yeah. of God, but, you know, do I? Yeah, intimidation. I think uh, same thing with prayer. Is there uh, joy, desire? Um, does any? I want a show of raise uh, a show of hands. Does anybody regularly have a TV show you watch, or have a game you like to play, uh, either on the computer or? game something you kind of look forward to and can't wait till it happens again like we're like we're that way about parenthood you know just can't I mean, we've had to wait a wait a month because that or, or almost two months to break because they're starting next week back again um and you probably can name your tv shows that, that are like that every week or what what part of the year they they come on or this game that you kind of get back to or some hobby or whatever that you just know you look forward to nobody has to make you do it you don't have to discipline yourself for it you don't have to work at it you know you don't have to concentrate you, distractions don't mean a thing because you're just boom focused on it right and i think that's one of the things we sh- and that's where some 119 comes in is lord give me give me that passion Give me the same passion when I start a novel and I, I stay up late at night because I, I just can't quit it. Give me that passion for your word, you know, that, I, that the same kind of thing. Can't we have that? Couldn't God do that for us, you know? That, that I think, is, is a big thing that uh, would help us a lot. So, yeah. Could you comment on assessing our own learning styles as part of how we plan all these read the Bible in 90 days, read the Bible in 30 days, you can have an acronym here, but a lot of people might learn by listening as opposed to reading, you know, having uh, even yeah. video sermons on the Bible passage. That's true, that's good. No, that's really good, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, some of our, our own children had very different learning styles for sure, and uh, I think... Yeah, I would include in in this not just you know uh, read, study, uh, memorize, meditate, but but uh, to hear and discuss you know with others. There's no magic about that you you actually doing the reading yourself. You know, I mean, if you can and and at least you know. As much as you can, you do that. But, but for some people, yeah, uh, hearing the word is that's a great alternative. You know, if, now you you can hear any number of sermons from any number of uh, great men uh, around the world, and they're opening up the Bible. And sometimes people think, well, that's somebody teaching you. Well, everything in probably everything in the New Testament uh, was almost done that way. You know, people just didn't have the New Testament. Um, they heard it proclaimed. They and, and of course, many of them were not even literate themselves. And in non-literate societies, people hear and they just 
almost memorize what they hear. They just it just stamps on them and they carry it with them. Probably way way better than we do in an in a literate society. We kind of depend on well, I can always refer back, and but we don't. You know, I'll take notes and then we don't look at our notes or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's a good point. Excellent uh, as an alternative. <clears throat> um, so. I say here, concentrate on a, a smaller section there on page two. Uh, and to start off, and I give some ideas of places that are accessible if you want to just start off. Philippians, 1 Peter, James, etc. Um, ask questions. What's the theme of the passage? What's it really about? What's the context of this verse? What do the particular words and phrases mean? That's one of the things the navigators helped me in early on in memorizing a a verse is to emphasize, to read the verse uh, and emphasize a different word each time. Uh, It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I mean, that's a simple thing. You think, oh, it's the almighty God that's working in me. You know, it's the God. uh, God is working in you. Wait, where was I? Okay. <laughs> uh, God who works in you. you know. Okay, here's the idea of God laboring. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. To will, to want to do his good pleasure. And to work, to actually do his good pleasure. You mean I could actually be pleasing God? In my- so, just emphasizing different words as you're reading it. Uh, b- begins to bring out more and more meaning. Uh, I have to ask, you know, what a phrase means connected to the next phrase. For instance, that one there in Philippians uh, begins with four, it is God who works in you. Um, and you back it up and you find out, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Four, it is God who works in you. Um, so, uh, Learning the connections, learning what every word means, trying to see what's the flow of thought. Uh, turn there to, uh, with me to Philippians 2. Um, let's look at this passage a bit. But to really ask, like say you're, you're going through the Philippians and you're just going to take two verses, verses 12 and 13. And sometimes it's, hard to just focus on two verses. I find it easier because I think I can figure these out and they'll make an imprint upon me and maybe I'll even have certain phrases that will stick with me more than if I read a whole of Philippians, you know. So that's just me. So you may be uh, somewhat different. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, I would, uh, if I was looking at this for the first time, uh, work out your own salvation, I would write a big question mark right there. Like, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound good. I don't work out my own salvation. He saves me. I don't work out my salvation. What does this mean? What could this mean? Work out my own salvation. Um, and you might then find in your uh, cross-references some references to salvation, and you'll find out that uh, salvation is uh, 
past, present, and future. And you might learn eventually as you read some other passages that sometimes when he talks about salvation, he's talking about sanctification okay? or growth. Now, that we're, we're shortcutting it, but that's where trying to figure out, all right, this word salvation, where is it? Uh, you, you might have uh, cross-references. You could have a concordance. Look up the word salvation or saved. Uh, this could be a study that would last a couple of days, you know, just trying to figure out what this word salvation means. Um, so uh, there's an idea of, of, you know, digging in and trying to figure out what does this uh, indicate. Now, when it says God is working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure, that's an immediate uh, thing to say that the salvation has to do with uh God's work so that I would fulfill his pleasure fulfill his pleasure so that might help me understand what he means by salvation work out your salvation because God is working in you so that you can fulfill his pleasure so maybe working out your salvation is my effort you know to uh, to live out uh, this salvation my effort and so in this passage, I would you know, draw some conclusions that I can uh, work at growing in him because I know God is working in me to do this. Uh, so it would it would I, I turn this then into prayer uh, to say, Lord, uh, I thank you that today you are working in me. I thank you that you're working in me so that I will want to obey you. You're working in me so I really will obey you to work uh, for you. And Lord, uh, give me grace then, knowing that your your hand is upon me and your power is on me, to give myself uh, to your will and to uh, seek to obey you because I know I'm not on my own. I know you are doing it in me. So... Uh, just that little bit, you see, of focusing on some of the meanings and the phrases in this, uh, these, just these two verses, and then turning that into prayer can, has, for me, made a bigger impact than if I read three or four chapters, close the book, and go on. You know, it gives me a time to meditate. I might even memorize, God is working in you. God is working in you. God is working... Uh, yeah, you know, anyway, uh, you get the idea. Yeah. John, I think that's an excellent example when people, like our Armenian friends, will say, well, read that, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But they, they always leave off the next sentence. You know, that sounds like, well, I am in control. Mm-hmm. But we got to read on. No, it is God who is at work in you. And uh, God prompts us to work out our salvation, not Tim and his flesh. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a great example of we've got to read in context. Yeah. And the uh, it's interesting. I was under the influence of the other side, the other teaching. They would quote verse 13 and leave off verse 12. So uh, this is how the teacher would run. Uh, they would say, God is at work in you to willing to do for his good pleasure. And then they would say, what's your part? Nothing. Yeah. You do nothing. You only trust him. 
And get out of the way too. Don't try to interfere with what God's doing. Stand up. Quit pushing the car. Get in the car and it'll just drive you up the hill. You just trust Him. Let go and let God live His life through you. All those kinds of teachings. Well, but the passage doesn't teach that. It tells you, in fact, in a way that almost scares you to death, work out your salvation. This is up to you. Do it. Why? How? Oh, God, His mighty power is upon me. He is transforming me. He is working, laboring in me to change me. Therefore, by His grace, yes, I can throw myself into this warfare to become more like Christ. So, that's what the passage teaches. But there again, of course, so critical for context. And we hadn't even seen the larger context, you know. But uh, actually... The larger context will tell you that he's talking here not about your personal uh, life, but about the community. Okay? You back up to verse 1 of chapter 2. If there's any encouragement... Well, that's where he has, Do nothing for rivalry, but in humility let count others as more significant than yourself. He gives the example of Christ, and then he comes back to it and says, So... Work out your salvation. Work out this fellowship. Work out this humility with each other. Uh, Because God is working in you, plural, in all of you, to create this glorious community of humility and love after the pattern of Christ. But you wouldn't get that just reading verse 13. But you'd get it if you read the context and realize, wait, there's a corporate application of this. Now, what I've said to you, sometimes you'll hear this, you think, well, I just could never get that. No, you, you can get that out of it. Your study Bibles will tell you a lot of that too. And it enriches you to think, gosh, I'm going to start praying for God to work powerfully in our community so that we will have this humility and love amongst ourselves just like Christ did as he, when He humbled Himself for us. Because God it says He's actively working in us to create that community. How encouraging, you see, to pray that. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, what do you think about Matthew uh, 24, 13, where Jesus says, But he will be nourished in the end shall be saved? How do you relate this word of Jesus to the word of Paul? Yeah, I think... Uh, it's actually what we said. We, we saw that in Colossians uh, 1 where he says, uh, you have been reconciled if you continue uh, till the end. Yeah. So, in other words, true salvation, true faith in Christ continues to believe, continues to endure. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's how it looks. That's, that's the way it operates. So... Yeah, but when I read this and I go to, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, I say I have to be, you know, at work. Of course, the Lord, you know, working through me as well, but that is my part, and I have to, I can't back down. That's right. That's right, exactly right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking how much responsibility is put on your shoulders in verse 12. But then it's supported by the richness of God's grace in verse 13. It's a both-and thing. Yeah. And that's why uh, our standards are pretty clear when you talk about justification. They'll say it's a, an act of God's grace. And when they talk about sanctification and growth, it's a work of God's grace that we participate in. You know? uh, and so I think that's an important uh, thing. I've been uh, comforted by uh, 
Yeah, that's that's sweet, isn't it? That's really sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's really encouraging. Good, excellent. Yeah, um, let me uh, just run over these things. Uh, the, the other tools are listed there: uh, study notes. Um, I mean, study Bible notes, cross references, um, concordance, difficult words in a dictionary. Write down what you do understand, and then uh, write down what you don't understand. And then ask somebody about it. But notice the top of three. Take responsibility for understanding the text, right? Pray, cry out, get involved, search it, gnaw on it, break it down, etc. Just go after it, in other words. Really go after it. Take responsibility to try to understand. Um, and then what remains there are just ways to uh, meditate on uh, that word that you've uh, read. And uh, if you can save yourself at least five minutes of the time that you have to ask those specific questions of what do I believe differently about this? How will I pray differently? How will I treat others differently? How will I think differently about God or, or Christ um, what will I what will I do? The, just a little outline for that. Um, some things about memorization. Then I just end with uh, reading and the importance of of reading. And uh, the thing I talk about here is uh, reading larger sections at a time, like putting an hour aside, maybe an hour one part of the week and an hour some other time, where you're just going to read, and, because that is real really important, even though. It frustrates me because I don't understand everything I'm reading. Uh, it's so good to read sections of the Word. And sometimes if you do that, uh, I mean, regularly if you do that, instead of maybe reading Matthew over a period of weeks, you could read Matthew in a week, which is a good way to read Matthew. Just read the whole thing, you know. Get it under your belt. Get a feel for the whole of the book. <clears throat> um, and I give a suggestion that... Uh, you start with Luke and Acts. Uh, some people say start with John if you've never read. read. Uh, I think Luke and Acts is, is wonderful because it gives you the, the life of Christ in the most complete way. And then his, his Luke's second half, Acts, uh, Luke wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else and uh, is the life of the church. And it's a great frame for then going on and reading other things in the, in the Word. Um, so, final encouragement... Last paragraph, Moses said, this is no empty word for you. It is your life. Uh, give the illustration of insulin, right? Uh, insulin is people's life or dialysis is someone's life uh, if, if they have to have that. And that's a great way for us to think of this. It is not optional. It is my life. It will, if I regularly give myself to this word, I will be categorically a different kind of person next year, or I won't. You know, I mean, it will make a difference in the way I love my wife, in the way I do everything I do, if I'll expose myself to this precious word. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we pray that you would uh, continually bless us and enrich us. May we seek you out. May we glory in you. May we have great joy, Lord. Uh, give us this. We lag so far behind in it, Lord. We 
we know how difficult it is to read your word and how our desires often are just simply not there. Lord, we pray, stir us up. Give us all that we need by your mighty spirit uh, to give ourselves relentlessly, uh, increasingly to your word, to have it uh, truly so that, as Paul says in Colossians, the word of Christ will richly dwell within us. Amen.